Support for this podcast is provided by LiveRight, publisher of the book Let Them Eat Tweets, How the Right Rules in an Age of Extreme Inequality. Political scientists Jacob Hacker and Paul Pearson show how corporations and the super-rich have allied with Trumpian right-wing populism to advance an agenda of tax cuts, deregulation, and business-friendly courts. They lay bare how such plutocratic populism threatens American democracy and how to fight back. Let Them Eat Tweets is available now wherever books are sold. Today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online is brought to you by Wix.com. Get started on your website. Go to WIX.com slash podcast. Get yourself 10% off at Wix.com slash podcast. It's official. Real Ghost Stories Online and the Grave Talks will be live at the Crescent Hotel for one night only, August 11th, 2019 at 7 p.m. And you are invited. I'm Tony Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and I can't wait to meet you at the Crescent Hotel this August 11th for an awesome night of ghost stories. We're going to have a lot of fun at the Crescent Hotel that night as we record an episode of Real Ghost Stories Online live. The stories on this episode come from you guys, the audience, live at the Crescent. Then it's a live episode of The Grave Talks as we talk with Crescent historian and paranormal investigator Keith Scales. We'll learn all about the history of the hotel, how it came to be, why it's haunted today, what goes on at the haunted Crescent Hotel, and allow you guys to ask your questions as well with a live Q&A segment. It's a fun night full of ghost stories at the historic haunted Crescent Hotel, a hotel that we've had many stories from shared about over the years here on the show. Tickets are only $25 a piece and are on sale now. Go to realghoststoriesonline.com and click on the Live at the Crescent Hotel banner to purchase yours. They are very limited, though, and when they are gone, they are gone. Real Ghost Stories Online and the Grave Talks live at the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, August 11th, 2019. Get your tickets now at realghoststoriesonline.com. Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, a couple wakes up to mysterious orbs floating above their bed. Strange neighbor or unexplained entity? What is it? And who's a little girl wandering into the abandoned barn? Those stories and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now. At 855-853-4802 Or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com You are about to enter the world of the unknown And quite possibly, the undead This is Real Ghost Stories Online Then it is 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online You can write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com or uh, email your audio file to me, Tony T O N Y at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you really like us and you want to keep this thing afloat, this little pirate ship we got going on here called Real Ghost Stories Online, you support us for five bucks a month. That's all it is. Go to patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com slash Real Ghost Stories. And they get access to all the bonus episodes of our show, advanced episodes, a lot of extras there for you. Or you can support us through our website uh, at ghostpodcast.com. Same deal. Get access to all the extras. Five bucks a month, either place. Same stuff. And uh, you keep this thing afloat. Tony and Carol Hughes joining you once again. 
How are you? You know, I was thinking when you were talking about the stories, I'm like, what would be worse, living in a haunted house or having really bad neighbors? <sighs> I think it depends on the haunting. If it was like yeah. crazy Amityville land. Sure. I wouldn't like that, but I have lived next to some crazy people. Yeah, me too. There are times I would take the haunted house and you know how I feel about haunted houses. You know, you almost feel like you have a little more control over the haunted house than you do the neighbors sometimes. Because you're going to rely on the neighbors to get sane if they're crazy and that ain't going to happen. And then the only thing you can rely on is them dying or moving. And that's kind of what you got. And the odds for either are not usually that great. So I had such bad neighbors once that I called the cops on them. Mm hmm. Because they were beating their children. That sounds lovely. Right? So they, after the cops came, they come over to my window, which was cracked. And I lived in the hood, so I had them all nailed kind of down mm-hmm. so you couldn't lift them up. And they were whispering in my, it was like a haunting. Mm-hmm. They were whispering in my window, we know it was you. Oh, my God. It was like, oh, my God. I have to move. <sighs> That's like being in a haunted house. Did you move? I got them evicted. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. God. In a pretty quick manner, too. Yeah. Oh, God. But I, I was prepared to move because I'm like, they're going to come back. Yeah. And they didn't. And that, that's different. They just moved on to terrorize another neighborhood. When you're in the, the rental situation like that in an apartment, yeah, there's a little more... You know, you can, you know, there's like some chance that you can get rid of the people if they're really being bad. But when it's like home to home, you're kind of screwed, you know. Yeah. But I had one, uh, the worst, I, 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 after these two experiences, I always insisted on living on the top floor of apartments because I would constantly have the neighbors above me that were, it sounded like they were bowling uh, or I don't know, God knows what. I, I said I lived upstairs from one person who would constantly hit their ceiling with a broom like i was making noise and i was just me and my cat walking around like (laughs) i don't do anything like i didn't i didn't play music loud i didn't have a subwoofer like i did nothing and constantly just banging i'm like i'm not i'm walking to the bathroom um but the other one that was really horrible was they were above me and this was a couple and they had a kid and they were constantly fighting and I could deal with the kid running around. It is what it is. It's a little kid, but Oh my God, it would be like, I think they were like throwing furniture or something. And I was doing a morning show. So I went to bed like eight o'clock at night and they would go on to like one in the morning, just the screaming back and forth at each other. And eventually I complained about it. And I said, look, I don't know what to say. I'm not going to go knock on their door and say, Hey, stop screaming. Because I don't know what's going on, but this is what's going on. It's not very neighborly. Can can we do something about this? And I knew damn well, like there's probably two people who are going to be the suspects, either the person below them or the person next to them. Sometimes it's easier to get an exorcism of the house than get somebody evicted. There's something going on. And I was concerned, like for the safety at some point, because it just got like out of control, screaming. And um, I eventually uh, left (laughs) and moved. That's how I solved that problem. So, and they're still doing that. God knows. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, visit Michigan here in a little bit. I'll go uh, stop by the old apartment and see if they're there and, uh, or if anybody's dead, but, uh, yeah, good times. <laughs> that kid that was up there, that was a little kid's probably like in college now. So, <laughs> 
Poor how, traumatized that's how, child. That's how long ago that was. We're in a lot of therapy. So I'll be like, I'm the one who tried to, uh, to call that in. So, yeah. Good times. Good neighbor stories. I have some other fun ones we can share later. We can just do like neighbor stories in between the uh, the ghost stories today. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. First one says, hello, just in FYI, I'm a new to listening to the podcast. I love it. However, it took me forever to find your website. I'm not really sure why. It's the same as the name of the show, realghoststoriesonline.com. Anyway, uh, eventually going through Facebook, I uh, thought you should know. Okay, anyway, my family and I have also strange stories uh, between the small apartment we started and in the house we eventually grew up in. The one I want to share with you tonight has to do with my sister when she was about three. I thought of this story when I heard a story about a red orb of light a few episodes back. It was only about one year old, so this was all hearsay from my family. And then we lived in a duplex. We were on the bottom floor. We had neighbors above us. We were a family of six. However, our two older siblings often did not live with us. Another long story. So my three-year-old sister ran into our parents' bedroom one night, complaining about the lights that woke her up. She eventually fell asleep to our parents' bed and didn't mention it to us again. Until a couple weeks later, whole scenario played itself out again. My sister ran to my parents, my parents soothed her, and everyone went back to sleep. These episodes began happening more frequently as time went on. Eventually, my parents were being woken up two to three times a week by my sister, every time complaining about the light. By this time, she had recognized that it had a color and added in detail that it was a green light waking her up each night. Now my parents initially blew it off because my sister's bedroom window faced an intersection, just a four-way stop, no street light. So naturally, they assumed an occasional car headlight would hit her bedroom light and just wake her up. But this time, it became more and more of a problem. They began to worry. Until one night, my sister came running into their bedroom, once again complaining about the green light that was waking her up. My mom was the first to be awoken, and she saw a green orb slowly floating and following my sister into the room. In a panic, she began rocking my father to wake him up, and after a minute, he finally sat up and saw the orb as well. As my parents stared at the strange object and my sister, she was cradled in my mother's arms, and eventually it did fade away, moving out of the room as if it was going to follow the same path it came in by. As far as I know, the orb began showing up less frequently over the next year or so, but eventually we moved out, and we never saw that orb again. My family really has no explanation for this green orb, would wake my sister up and eventually followed her into our parents' room. We've wondered over the years what it could have been and why it visited us. Eventually, we moved to a relatively new house. However, it has had its own set of stories that maybe I'll share on another email. Thanks for reading my story. Love your show. Den. Odd story of an orb, and, and it's, it's one of those more... Um, definitive ones because it's not just oh we got it on camera they physically saw this thing floating around the house thoughts you know that would be terrifying because as a parent you want to protect your kid mm -hmm. so like green light okay honey whatever but when you actually see it like how would you address that yeah i would never be able to sleep again yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's not like, oh, well, I'm glad it went away. Now, on with the rest of our life. <laughs> you know? It's, you just, you, you'd sit, I'd be wondering, like, is this thing going to come back? What did it want? What is it? It's it's not explainable. And she didn't say anything about after that night and everybody saw it, if no. it happened again, or did mm -mm. she? No, I mean, it sounds like that was the 
the end of it as far as we know. I don't know, maybe there's a chapter two to this story, but she didn't allude to it. Yeah, that would freak me out as a parent. Like, there's no way you could have slept for weeks after that. No. I, uh, it, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, and I saw this person sitting at the end of my bed, and they looked like a demon, and then I, wo- I, 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 I was not sleeping, and then they moved something in my room, and I eventually fell asleep. Like, how the hell did you yeah, fall asleep? like, no. Like, that's, that's not, like, any, it's not even an option at that point. But no. I don't know. Eventually, I, I maybe just the fear kind of maybe it's maybe it's part of the fear. If you get that scared, maybe it's not sleep that necessarily occurred. Maybe it's more passing out that occurred, and and that's what you know ends up taking you out. And you you think, oh, I'm in bed, so I fell asleep. I don't know. It's uh, it's a Bob bizarre thing. Right, I want to thank our supporter today, Wix. Go to wix.com/podcast to get ten percent off. Uh, your service is there. Yeah. Uh, Wix is an awesome, awesome platform for publishing your website, whether it's a, a, a simple blog to a super detailed company website or e-commerce, whatever it may be. Wix is the platform that you should be using. 140 million people are already on top of that. You can start and publish for absolutely free. Choose some over 500 awesome templates or start from scratch. It's one of those things that makes Wix really awesome is it's not just for beginners or anything like that. This is there for you, whether you have super advanced knowledge on how to create websites or you this is your first one ever. And it sounds like a very daunting thing for you. This this just it just works. And and it's it's process will help you along the way seamlessly so you can get that beautiful website uh created yourself yes there's a concept for a fraction of what you may uh, you know have to pay a designer or something um then you're in complete control that's a big thing for me i absolutely love wix so uh whether it's like i said whether it's for your blog your business millions have used it to create websites instantly connect to your customers manage all your interactions in one place as a business use advanced business features automate your work boost productivity it's great okay I, I don't know any other way to, to describe it other than if you're needing a website, use Wix. WIX.com slash podcast. Get yourself 10% off. That's Wix.com slash podcast. You can start and publish for free. That's another great. So you can make sure you love it. Wix, and you will. Go to Wix.com slash podcast. WIX.com slash podcast. Get 10% off. Wix.com slash podcast. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's another story, and then uh, we'll we'll talk more uh, more neighbor nightmares. So <laughs> so be thinking about that. Uh, next story, it says, well, I guess my story would begin in the house I grew up in. My parents purchased a property and had to clear the overgrown trees and underbrush to even see how the property looked. It had been inhabited for quite a few years. We also did not know at the time of purchasing the land that there was a cemetery on the back part of the acreage. This is an interesting fact, but may or may not be the root of some of the activity we experienced. It was, however, a nice conversation piece, as well as a great spook for our Halloween parties. Anyway, upon purchasing the property, we were also unaware of the Native American presence on the land years and years prior. We found this out when we plowed up our first garden. An elderly neighbor used to come over and talk to us as he was glad to see someone caring for the property. He was in our garden early one morning when we went out to get the day started planting vegetables. He was picking up things from the dirt and explained that Native Americans had populated the area in the early 1800s. He's found several arrowheads every time he plows the soil. 
This is what leads me to believe there must have been some native influence in some experiences that I had personally. My whole family also experienced them. My mother would notice flashes of light at the height of about three or four feet, zooming around corners, especially at the end of our hall. The house was set up with a kitchen and living room on one end of the house, and a hall going down the middle of the other half with bedrooms and bathrooms off of each side. My father would hear voices and see figures in the barn as well as a wooded area surrounding the barn. They never really felt threatened by these experiences. My experiences started when I was around seven. We used to always have old vehicles sitting in the backyard that my dad would work on or resell once he'd fix them. One time I'd been washing dishes for my mother. There was a night window over the sink in the kitchen overlooking the backyard. I was just kind of daydreaming while washing the dishes when I noticed what looked like a small boy in the driver's seat of an old pickup. He was really pale and dressed in what appeared to be a plain light blue shirt with suspenders and a hat similar to what men wear when golfing, a flat-type cap. This boy was playing with the steering wheel and acting like he was really driving. I looked away from him for a moment. When I looked back, he was nowhere to be seen. I knew he couldn't have been any one of our neighbors, all our neighbors, who had children, had daughters. Not only that, as quick as I looked back, there was no way anyone could have got out of that truck without being seen or making some type of noise. Our watchdog would have immediately alerted us to anyone in our yard. This was my first really memorable experience, other than random flashes of light and movement from different items, when there was no explanation for it. I only had one other memorable experience. This was when I was about 10 or 11. I was at home alone while my family went out. I was watching TV in the living room from the couch, and you could see down the hallway if you turned your head to the left. I don't know what got my attention to look down the hallway, but it did. What I saw was what looked like a large, white, opaque bird of some kind materialize from the top right-hand side of the hallway wall and ceiling and fly down into the bathroom. Up until this point, I had never been really scared of anything I'd experienced. Honestly, I think I just got more spooked this time because I was home alone. It didn't help that I was on the opposite end of the house from my bedroom. So I opted to go out on the front porch and wait while the family returned before I went back inside. I was lucky to have had an open-minded family who didn't just brush off my experiences as wild imagination. My parents simply explained what they thought might have been the cause of these things happening. This always seemed to help calm my imagination, my imagination and mind from racing and working towards unrealistic conclusions. Thanks for reading my story. I have several other experiences I could share if you're interested. Thank you for the show that you do. What's your thoughts on that one? Well... Okay, so for the first time ever, the person actually went outside. Mm-hmm. I was like, good. Because, <laughs> like, living in a house like that when I was a kid, it was like, I just have to get outside. If I can just get outside, sure. I just need to be outside. It won't be out there. And so, but so often you hear these stories and they're like, and then I went up the stairs to the creepy attic. We just had one of those last week. Mm-hmm. And we went upstairs to the creepy attic and investigated it. But I'm like, I think sitting outside waiting for people to come is the right thing to do. What's interesting about this is I'd almost be afraid of the outside, too, because you have the uh, the the cemetery <laughs> out back, too. It's like, oh, even out, out back outside is still not quite uh, free of everything. It's almost like a it's like you're in a bubble there. You kind of got to get like out of the the area. But I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to walk into the cemetery, but sitting on your porch waiting, <laughs> thats yeah, that that's might have been a good compromise. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, somehow the outside does seem to provide some 
sort of peace away from a lot of it. I wonder what it would be like to have a cemetery in your backyard, uh, like literally. Like for real, I wouldn't yeah. live in that house. There's no way. <laughs> I saw a... Um, I would be like, what cemetery deal breaker? I'll find another house. There was a home listing that somebody sent to me the other week. And I think I, I talked about it with Jen the other day on an episode. And it was uh, it, it looked it was a house in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. A current listing. It was like a list to Realtor.com and, and the actual listing. And it looked like, you know, kind of a grandma-y house. Lots of, you know, doilies and things of that nature. And that sort of decor just, you know, it, it looked like uh, a, a cafe with that sort of decor exploded and, and created a house. Um, and... So it looked like the Golden Girls, and then also in the listing, uh, and a a site of a historic, I forgot how it was worded, it was like historic Texas burial plot, or something of that nature. So I don't know if it meant like a historic figure was buried on the property, or what, but it was in a neighborhood. It wasn't like off in some farmstead where you'd expect that. It was like in an urban area. Well, probably back in the day it was a farmstead. Sure. And then, you know, Dallas is rather sprawling. Yeah. Yeah. It was just interesting because the house was built in like 88 or something. So I'm guessing this this is not the first house there or something. And they've had to just keep this grave. It's and like, it must be something they have to disclose because nobody's <laughs> going to put that in there. No. It was just it was funny because, you know, they always like put all the and spacious kitchen and three bedroom, uh, three bedrooms and a four car garage and a historic Texas burial plot on property. <laughs> It's like, whoa, that's that's not quite. It's like sandwiched between the three bedrooms, the and the uh, the washer dryer that come with the place. Historic Texas burial plot and washer dryer combo. You'd have some really busy open houses, though, I would think. I'd be very curious. It's like, but where do you do like ask the real? So where is the burial plot? Where exactly is this located? <laughs> is it like in the house? Is kind of roped off? Is yeah. it in the yard? What are we doing? I bet, you know. It'd be really interesting, and I, I've thrown this call out there before. Um, I love it when realtors call in with uh, with ghost stories, because I think that those folks. I mean, it's 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 a group of people who, for the most part, if they're in the house by themselves, you know, kind of turning the lights off after somebody's seen the house, doing that whole you know shindig. Um, they're you know the ones who experienced that, but there's not many other people there to say, "Oh, I saw it with you." But I bet there's a lot of realtor stories of houses that just sit and. There's a reason they're sitting because there's something in it. Yeah. And, and I just, I love, I love those stories. They're very interesting to me. There's, um, I, I don't know who to even, uh, I, I actually, I, I know a path I could go down for it, but um, I, I'd be interested to hear uh, some of the, the realtor stories of the Amityville house, uh, because that was alluded to in the interview I did the other week with uh, Laura DiDio that's coming out this fall that, there's a lot of realtors who have stories about that place. Like, oh, of course current, there would be current day stuff, not like, oh, this was back then. This is like, I mean, the house keeps selling whenever it goes on the market, and it usually sits with the owners for a good chunk of time. So it, it's not a property where it's like constantly seeing new owners. I think it's had like I don't know four or five owners since the DeFeos, which uh, or the Lutzes, which was seventy six. So that's about normal for a house of that age. Um, I don't know. I, it's just interesting because uh, from what everybody for the most part has always heard is that, oh, there's nothing going on there. Okay. But uh, it's interesting to hear what uh, what uh, what 
that it was alluded to in that interview. But, yeah. Uh, Anyhow, that's coming up in a episode of The Grave Talks. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your experiences with us. Next story, it says, in the late summer of 1997, my father and mother purchased the old home that had been uh, in my father's family for over 200 years. It was 100 acres of rich uh, fields that had uh, brought forth the prettiest tobacco nestled in the valley was a huge white farmhouse. My great-grandmother had lived and died in that house, and since her death, the house had remained empty. When my parents informed us of their decision to buy it, I had mixed feelings about it. The house, frankly, scared me. It was big, old, drafty, and at night you could hear things go bump in the night, so I wasn't exactly thrilled with the news. When we pulled up in the gravel driveway on that Saturday afternoon, I looked up at the looming house and felt a cold chill run down my spine. Daddy knew that I wasn't happy about the move, so he put his arm around my shoulder and told me that I could go in first and pick the bedroom that I wanted. I knew that he was trying to make me happy, so I smiled and walked towards the house. Time passed, and we had already been living in the house for two months. The night before Thanksgiving, the house was filled with family from out of town. My dad's mother was one of our guests. When she saw the old house, she looked over at me and asked, Have you seen the ghost yet? Everybody laughed at her, but I didn't, and she wasn't laughing either. My grandmother has the gift of being psychic. She can see she, yeah, she can see things, and she knows things that it will astound you. So, when she said that, I took it seriously. That night, after everybody had gone to bed, I went upstairs to my room and laid down. I fell asleep, but suddenly woke up when I heard laughing. I rose up and saw the ghostly figure of a little girl. She was standing by my dresser, and she appeared to be about the age of five or six. She had long blonde hair. It hung to her waist, and she wore a white nightgown that had ruffles around the neck and wrists. I tried to scream, but it was as if she had me spellbound. I felt paralyzed, and I couldn't move. She made no move towards me, but just stared at me. I was scared and pulled my blanket up over my head. My heart pounded in my chest, and the temperature felt both warm and cold at the same time, if that's possible. I did not look again to see if she was there. The next morning, I felt so stupid. Had she been a figment of my imagination, or had she been real? Even if I questioned myself, I knew that she had been real. I went in search of my grandmother and found her sitting on the back porch. She was old, her hair was now snowy white, but her clear blue eyes were youthful and knowing. Have you seen your ghost yet, she asked again. I looked at her and said that I had. She told me not to be afraid of the girl because the spirit meant no harm. I asked her why that she had come to me. And she said that she didn't know, but at the next time that she came to ask her what she wanted, I asked Grandma how that I could talk to her, and she said that she suspected that I had the same gift that she did, and that we were on a bridge to the supernatural world. This scared me, but excited me at the same time. The next two nights passed, and I did not see the girl. I stayed up just to see her, but she wouldn't show herself. Grandma told me to be patient, and that she'd come back because Grandma could feel her presence in the house. The next afternoon, I was reading in my room and I heard a sound coming from my closet. I got up from my desk and walked over to the closet, fully expecting to find her when I opened the door. I slowly turned the knob and opened the door, but she wasn't there. I was relieved and disappointed at the same time. That night after supper, I told Grandma what had happened and she said that the little girl was teasing me. I was a little upset that night and went to bed early. I don't know how much time had gone by, but I woke to the warm, cold temperature again and knew that she was there. I looked over towards the dresser, and there she was. I was not scared of her this time. I just wanted to help her. 
So I looked at her and said, hello. She just stared at me and then vanished into thin air. I got up and ran to my grandma's room. She was still awake when I walked in. I told her that I had seen the girl, but that she would not say anything to me. She told me that the girl had passed on before. She was ready. That now she was lost and couldn't figure out how to get to heaven. I asked grandma if she knew what had happened to her, and she said that she had died terribly. That she'd been murdered. I asked her to tell me more about the girl. She said that after school one day, the girl was walking home, and one of the field hands had grabbed her and took her to an abandoned tobacco barn out in the woods. Grandma said that her father had a bunch of other men and had gone in search of her when she hadn't shown up for supper and found her the next morning inside the barn. She'd been killed. I felt sorry for the girl and told my grandma. She said that the girl's name was Elise and that Grandma's dad, my great-granddad, had told her the story of Elise many times. Elise makes her presence known sometimes. You can hear her laughing out in the hall at night. Or she may hide something from you. She's quite the prankster. I'm not afraid of her. In a way, she's comforting. I have my own family now and have moved to North Carolina, but I visit the home place on holidays, and I'll admit I have to catch a glimpse of Elise every now and then. There you go. It's a, a make peace with the ghost story, and then you kind of miss the ghost story. But that one was so sad. Yeah. She was like horribly murdered, and now she's lost. At least she doesn't. That's so sad. At least she doesn't hold like the scars of the murder, you know, when she's walking around the house. She doesn't look like a murder victim. That's that's a good, that's the one positive here. Okay, you've got that. But so. still, you know, I mean, that's the one thing that bothers me about those kid ghost stories. I'm like, that's not fair. Like, the kid was murdered, and now she's lost for all eternity. Hiding shit in the house. That's what you get. Right? Yeah. It's like, this is it. She deserved better. Like, I went to church on Sunday morning all those years and for hours on end, and now I'm just stuck hiding shit around, around this farmhouse? What the hell? Yeah. yeah. And, like, I get, like, evil, horrible person who killed her. Sure. Like, that person should be sentenced to eternity being lost. Not the little kid. Yeah. Fair. That it, one's not fair. It is not fair, and it's uh, it's bizarre and uh, how all that works because it defies uh, what a lot of belief systems uh, that we have here for you know that, that feel comforting uh, say. Um, so you're like, what the hell? So I don't know. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Neighbors, um, I had one that dressed like Kim Jong Un and would constantly set fire to the side of his yard. <laughs> I was not expecting that. That I was, was uh, not expecting. Not that. even kidding. He uh, he he just dressed like him. Uh, he like fatigues all the time, and um, he uh, it was the weirdest weirdest guy in the world. Um, and uh, he to get rid of the weeds on the bank of the creek that my parents' house. Um, you know, you can mow them, you could weed eat them, you could take a, a machete, whatever. There's plenty of ways of get, getting rid of weeds other than gasoline and a match. And uh, he literally, I remember playing out in the yard once, and I'm over on the opposite side of the yard, and all of a sudden I hear this loud boom. You know, like almost like a sonic wave that goes, because it's so powerful, rattling the windows and glass oh around God. you, and leaves are kind of shaking, and there's no wind. You're like, what the hell was that? And I'm thinking like their house blew up. You know, like from like a gas leak or something. And all of a sudden I just see flames, you know, right over this little hill embankment. And I run over to the other side of the yard and the whole creek 
is like on fire. Holy shit. And I'm like, holy shit. So did you call the cops? I don't know. My, my parents didn't. I don't know why they didn't. Because this guy would call the cops and my parents were like mowing their lawn. He was nuts. Like my parents would move a rock in the creek or something if it was like obstructing the water. And then he called the DNR, which is the Department of Natural Resources, and saying that they were trying to alter the creek. He was nuts. And he would stand out there. And his but he was blowing I up. know. I know. It's the craziest shit. <laughs> he was just insane. And it was, yeah, it was just, and he'd just stand there. And he would, he would stand there with his arms crossed like a dictator in his fatigues, watching the yard burn. And oh, That's uh, crazy. Yeah. I got another crazy neighbor story from that same house. Yeah. I got a couple more of it. Um, I mean, in retrospect, you look back and you're like, I probably started this with a bad decision. <laughs> but um, down the street, like two houses away, um, the there was a mom and her kids lived there and the dad just got back from prison. Okay. <laughs> and the kids were nice. And the dad, you know, he just got back from prison. He's like, can I mow your yard? And I'm like, okay, how much? He's like, 25 bucks. So... So I have an ex-convict as my yard guy. So that was probably a bad decision. Okay. But you're, you're trying to be nice. Was, you're trying to give him another chance. And like, right? hey, you need that's some the, money. That's, that was what I thought. Sure. And he was pretty nice. And then he would come over like frequently. Do you need your yard mode? And I'm like, you know, you just did it. You clean your and, medicine and cabinet. one night he shows up at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, what? And he goes, uh, can I mow your yard tomorrow? And I'm like, no, like you just mowed it. And he's like, I bet I need twenty five dollars. <laughs> and I said, it's eleven o'clock at night. Like I don't even have twenty five dollars cash. Like I don't have any money for you, but I need twenty five dollars. And so I'm like, I don't have money for you. I can't even remember his name now. I'm like, you're gonna have to come back. Like in three days, my yard will need mowed again. Uh huh. So he doesn't come back around. And about four or five days later, I go to my local convenience store, the quick shop. Oh, God. And I see his picture on the front of the door. He dropped the store. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's my yard guy. <laughs> and did you go, did he just take $25? Is that it? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, had I only given him the 25 bucks? The kids would still have their dad at home. Yeah. I, I don't know if he went that night and robbed the convenience store. <laughs> well, my yard guy robbed the convenience store. Only you can prevent a convenience store robbery, Carol. <laughs> That's great. And I was like, he wanted the money so bad, he never came back to mow my yard three days later. Aha! <laughs> uh -huh. Back in prison. Oh... That's great. He couldn't show back up in the neighborhood to mow my yard. Yeah. I had one who, um, this was in Wichita, where it was the uh, the 4th of July. And as any, in that, that in Wichita, if, if you'd lived there, um, and in a lot of cities, depending on their fireworks rules or lack thereof, or lack of people following them, really. Is I was going to say, we have rules, but people don't pay attention to them. They don't pay attention because it's impossible to enforce them. It's almost like if every person started murdering each other at the same time. It's like, how the fuck are you going to enforce that? Yeah. Um, it's literally, it's like all these, these fireworks, it's like city grade yeah. days. It's insane days and days. And it, it's like a, it's like a, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it was kind of fun to be completely honest and it's all fun and games until your yard starts on fire. Oh, and yours <laughs> and, did. And, uh, it was, I, I, I really did enjoy 4th of July there because it was like, oh my God, everybody's shooting off these wonderful, very expensive fireworks that they can't afford. And, and 
and they're you know eating ramen the rest of the year because they put all their money into fireworks but then it's like holy shit i'm looking back and my fence is like wood and it was a really dry summer and it's on fire and i'm like okay so i'm like getting the hose out and trying to get it off and and then they're still firing off fireworks and i'm oh like, like hey <laughs> stop and he's like hey Oh, no, we can, we'll get it out here in just a little bit. I'm like, no, we have to get it out now. So I'm trying to call 911, and the line's busy because it's the 4th of July, and you can't get through to emergency services on the 4th of July in Wichita. So if you have a fucking heart attack, you're kind of fucked. Um, yeah. And uh, it was just like, oh, my God. I, I didn't know, and I couldn't get, like, one of my hoses unhooked. I ended up cutting the hose with a knife just to get, like, it unhooked so I could get it over there. And I was livid. And at first, I, I thought that they were renting the house across uh, over there. So I called the HOA, and I'm like, just going nuts. And like, no, they bought the house. It's not rental. Because I'm thinking, if it's rental, I can get them out. But nope. So they didn't uh, They didn't really speak to me the rest. <laughs> I remember when that happened. <laughs> they didn't speak to me for the rest of the time that we lived there, because I really went nuts on trying to get them out. Um, but uh, there you go. Like two days later, they had a pony in their backyard for a birthday party. <laughs> and the kids are like, look, a pony. Can we go? Like, no, they're bad. We people. hate them. They're bad. That, people. Here's what I don't get. Like, they could have burned down your house and it's your fault. It's like he called the cops. I know if they would have been like, shit, we're sorry. We, you know, we, we it went we wrong. Were drunk. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. But we're going to we're going to fix this. But no, it was just like. Like, no big deal. We can handle it. Bill over there was a volunteer firefighter at 78. You know? <laughs> it's like, he's drunk. He's right now. He's like drunk. He's face down in your lawn. He's not going to like, oh, we got it. Let's do, we're going to do some Roman candles over here first. Like, fuck you. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Yeah, Bill is the one over there shooting Roman candles at the children. Exactly. Yeah. My neighborhood now does not allow fireworks, which it, I kind of miss them at the same point. I'm like, I can leave my house on the 4th of July and not fear of it burning down. So that's kind of, uh, it's kind of a perk. I well, the problem is like my dog, it's, it's like the dog thinks we're in a war zone. Yeah. And it's bad every single year. It does. It sounds like you're in a war. It's, yeah. I mean, I can't, the constantly. Another weird holidays, fourth, excuse me, um, New Year's Eve here. Yeah. Because, and I assume this happens in lots of cities. They just shoot guns up in the air. I'm like, what the yeah. hell are you people doing? And it sounds like, like a war zone is just yeah. guns, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of gunshots. Not pleasant. No, that's no. crazy. The bullet goes up. It will come down. Yeah. I don't mind like the one night of fireworks, but it's like a week. It's like eight crazy nights. Yeah, and, it is uh, about a week. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to a caller here quick. Hi. When I was one years old, we stayed in South Sacramento and uh, I'm older now. I'm in my mid-20s. Um, this is a story my dad told me I was just a baby. But um, basically, uh, there was a ghost in our house, and we had to have a priest come over and sleep with us for a little while, for a couple weeks. And um, bear with me here. We, at the beginning, my dad noticed weird stuff was happening around the house. And, um, 
so he would blame it on my little brother. So my dad would go out to church. We'd all go to church as a family. And I was, like I said, I was only one years old. My brother was about four. And um, when we'd come home, all the all the drawers would be open, and all the all the like all the cupboards would be open, and my dad that would that would freak my my, my fam out. And then um, yeah, that was the first thing. And then uh, so other days we'd leave and we'd come home. And one time, the neighbor knocked on the door and said, "Hey, can you turn your faucet off?" because it's flooded in our yard. My dad's like, what are you talking about? So he goes to the backyard and the water's just running. And it's like, it's like, it's been on for like a day, like all night. And it flooded the whole yard. And so the neighbor got pissed off at my dad. And then um, my dad uh, yelled at my little brother because he thought my little brother did it. And um, my little brother was like, I think like four at the time, around three. So he thought my little brother was just going around the back, turning on the faucet as like a prank. And so he actually kind of disciplined my little brother. I was kind of getting mad because it kind of continuously was happening. So another time we went to church and or went out to do something as a family. When we came home, my dad said um, the faucet was on again. And my dad got really pissed off at my little brother. Started screaming at him, telling him they better stop that, cut that out. And then um, he said he didn't do it. He kept saying, oh, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And then that kind of scared my dad. And then my dad said he came home one night. And it was he came home from work, and we were all sleeping. I was in my room with my mom. And then I think my little brother and my sisters were sleeping in their room. And my, we had this little lock on the door that would slide, like that you would have at a hotel those little things where you can slide and they lock. He locked everything and he went to go lay down and deliver them on the couch. My dad likes to do that. And uh, he likes his privacy. So he went to go lay down on the couch, which is the, another room, which is a separate room. And the front door is kind of dark when he goes into the other room. Everything is it's pitch black. But he can hear as he's laying down and he's putting his head on the pillow. He said he can hear like a, the slide of the lock come off and just start swinging. Like, and he says his heart dropped because he kind of knew like what it was because in the back of his head, he kind of felt like maybe there was something in the house. Uh, my family, my family is, uh, they're, we're Christians. So we believe that, um, obviously that there's a, there's another realm, but yeah, so after that, my, my, my dad uh, started thinking it was probably that. So they considered getting a priest or something in the house because that was like some really scary crap. And, uh, yeah. So before we did that, ended up going out one more time. And when we came home, my dad said all the cupboards were open again, all the drawers and everything. And it was just super freaky and airy. So we got a priest to come over and then he actually came in the house and he, right when he came in, he definitely said that there's someone in here, that there's something in here. I, like I said, I was just a baby. I was only one years old, so I don't even remember none of this. But my dad told me that they had the priest come stay and my mom told me this too, that 
they had a priest come live with them for like two days and did all the water around the house and he blessed our house and um my dad said if it didn't work if stuff kept continuing the way it was we were going to move out and so we were going to have a priest try to come fix it and if it didn't work we were going to move out we weren't the richest so um moving out fast wasn't like the easiest thing to do and the priest definitely said there's something in here and my dad talked to the landlord after that called the landlord and asked him what happened and uh this I'm pretty sure this is what they told them that legally they don't have to tell them about the history of the house until they ask and they told my dad that a 12 year old boy was lifting weights in the garage and he killed him he accidentally killed himself the the dumbbell fell on his neck and he would always play pranks on his family he was just a pranker in the house and uh I'm not sure when this happened I'm thinking maybe maybe like the 80s or something maybe the 70s when uh, the kid died but um yeah we're this was like early 90s i was born in 92 so it's probably like 93 and uh yeah it was a tiny house and i guess some kid was in the garage and he lifted weight and he accidentally killed himself so we're thinking that the kid was playing a prank the kid would undo locks the kid would open the doors and we're gone the kid would turn on the faucet in the backyard and yeah so that's my story. Maybe I'll call back and uh, tell you another story. It's one of those things where does that really? I mean, obviously, it's it's confusing because there's some, something that's messing with everybody. But is that a job for an exorcist or is that something else? Well, I think if you're living in that house mm-hmm. and you feel like your house is haunted, yeah, I would like. That would be so scary. I always think exorcism. What else do you do? I always think exorcism is more so for like demonic type things, not not the ghost of an accidental death. But what do you do for that ghost? John there's Edwards. There's not like an in between, yeah, like the exorcist, John, and there's that guy. You call John Edwards, and that's problem solved. Crossing over. And then he just goes <laughs> in, and goes, "Hey, you gotta quit this." Just walks. Hey, look, buddy. Um, I- I'm feeling you should probably stop, and let's just knock this stuff out. And, uh, okay, problem solved. He's gone. He's gone, everybody. And then you have, like, this applause from a studio audience that isn't there, but he walks around with a tape recorder. It just has the applause button on it. And then he's like, oh, my God, this is great. Thank you. And he just leaves your house. That's how it works. And he's like, does 12 mean anything to anybody? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my know, God. But if you're living in that house, seriously, I wouldn't pick up on this as a prankster ghost. No. I'm like, shit's happening in my house. Sure. I don't feel like it's a prankster. No, you're not thinking prankster. Whip out comedy albums or something. <laughs> be great. And so, there is a laugh track that goes with it. Say, so like, why the hell does he keep playing all these Bill Cosby albums? This is really getting but, creepy. You know, I locked the door and you unlocked it. That's not a prankster to me. <laughs> it would just be very bizarre. Um, you know, what, what the what the the ghost is doing to uh to communicate but yeah the first thing you think is well ghost but you know good bad you know you're not even probably even thinking down that route it's hard to say when you're not in the shoes of the people who it's happening to uh, right because you'd be scared no matter what the ghost is doing exactly, exactly. and you have kids little kids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. creepy stuff 
Thank but you. But it's for... like, you know, but the 12 year old, he dropped the weight on his neck, was brutally killed. But he was a prankster, that one. Like, <laughs> maybe he's a really unhappy 12 year old boy that can't get through to anybody. And he's lost like that other kid. You got me. Good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm stuck and I'm trying to find a way to incorporate the the element of, you said, playing comedy albums. So I was going to kind of go down the road of, oh, he's playing Bill Cosby albums and then playing R. Kelly records and like somehow combine <laughs> the two. And I was we, thinking of like Benny Hill. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you like have a ghostly situation, it's just like, oh my god! Uh, I, I don't ask me how I found this the other day. But speaking of weird music, um, the Price is Right theme. I just saw a documentary on it on um, on Netflix, which is kind of interesting. Um, and so I was like, oh, the Price is Right theme. So I look it up on YouTube, and someone created a looped version of the Price is Right theme that runs for ten hours straight. <laughs> No, <laughs> just like just like the 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 mere fact that this exists, I want to know the story. <laughs> like who the fuck? Number one made this looped ten hour cut of the Price Is Right theme, and then took the time to load that size of the file to YouTube. <laughs> like what? What is the original reason for ten hours of the Price Is Right? Is that like something that they made for like Abu Ghraib or something? Or what the fuck is that? <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Don't ever load it onto your computer. <laughs> that file will haunt you. It's just like asking for just a nightmare. It's just like what the hell. <laughs> so, it's uh, every once in a while when um, I just kind of I have it like queued up on my phone, and then when I know Jen's walking into like a room all of a sudden, and I'm just sitting there, I'll just like start playing it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's funny. It's really uncomfortable, like when she's just like walking out of the closet or something, like getting ready for bed. It's, it's like bum bum ba da 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 Yeah, it's great, great fun. So there you go. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tickets on sale still for our show August eleventh at the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs. They're about halfway sold out now, so if you want to get in on this, get them before they are gone. Go to realghoststoriesonline.com. Get your tickets there. Follow the links. 25 bucks a piece, and uh, it'll be a great time. Make it like an end-of-summer thing. August 11th, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, at the Haunted Crescent Hotel. Uh, ghostpodcast.com. Get all the bonus episodes, EPP stuff, uh, advanced episodes, and more. Keep us on the air or patreon.com slash stories. Until next time, for Carol, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Oh, <laughs>